Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I am your host, David Cromlow. Just three weeks, three weeks from the moment of this recording, the centennial season of the National Football League will kick off. And in that spirit, we continue with the sixth round of our 2019 NFL Division by Division preview series with a look at the AFC North. And to help us analyze all things Bengals, Browns, Ravens, and Steelers, it is a pleasure to welcome back Pete Smith, our good friend, back to the program. Pete is currently the editor for Browns Maven, a source all Browns fans are encouraged to check out. How you doing, Pete? It's great to have you back. I am good. I hope all is well with you. All is very well with me. Thank you very much. Uh, two weeks ago, I was in your neck of the woods in Canton for the 2019 Pro Football Hall of Fame and Triumph festivities. It was one of the best experiences of my life, man, and I definitely hope to head back to Canton uh, sometime very soon for another uh, Triumph ceremony. Do you go just for the Broncos, or for, does it just depend on who's going? Because if it's the Broncos, you may be in for a uh, little bit of a drought until Von Miller. Uh, that That is true. I mainly went to celebrate Chad Bailey and Pat Boland, but Ed Reed and uh, Tony Gonzalez and Gil Brandt were three guys I was celebrating almost equally. I really uh, loved all of them, and Gil Brandt should have been a long time ago, but thank you for asking. I really appreciate it. And let's uh, stay in Ohio, albeit let's go to the southern part of the state and the Cincinnati Bagels, who just hired Zach Taylor as their new head coach after 17 years of Marvin Lewis, a year too late, in my opinion. They should have fired him a year or two ago. Uh, but they hired Zach Taylor mainly because he worked with Sean McVay. And when you look at this Bengals offense, the pieces just might be there to replicate what the Rams have done on offense the past two seasons. You have a legitimate bell cow running back at Joe Mixon who could play the Todd Gurley role. And you have a trio of wide receivers in A.J. Greed. Uh, yes, uh, he's uh, hurt right now, but uh, he's expected to be healthy and return very early in the season. Tyler Boyd, who just signed a well-deserved extension, one of the more underrated slot receivers in the National Football League. And John Ross, that as a group, had the potential to be as good or better than a collective of Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup. However, the issues the Bengals have on the offensive line may put a damper on the potential of their skill players this season. Despite their efforts in the offseason to revamp the offensive line, 2019 first-round pick Jonah Williams is likely out for the season with a shoulder injury and guard Clint Bowling retired due to health reasons. Without those two, just how bad is this Bagels offensive line? Is it like one of the five worst offensive lines in the league right now? It might be the worst. I mean, you mentioned the, the Bengals were, have a lot of weapons. Uh, obviously, AJ Green's injury is not good news for a guy who's been dealing with him. Tyler Boyd should have been in the Pro Bowl last year. Uh, he was just terrific. Uh, they've got, you, know, you mentioned John Ross, they've got Joe Mixon. They've got a lot of things that look really good, but they needed everything to go right, particularly on the offensive line. And it couldn't have gone worse. Obviously Jonah Williams gets hurt. They were counting on him to stabilize that, that line. Uh, they lose Clint Bowling to the retirement. Now they're moving, uh, they're moving, uh, John Jerry around to left tackle. They've got, Cordy Glenn moving around. It's just a nightmare scenario for, and Andy Dalton is, you know, is an environmental quarterback in that he's largely only as good as his supporting cast can be. And and with the offensive line, that's not a good situation. So that offense has some star power, but because of the line this year, they could be an utter disaster and ultimately, and I think smartly in this case, move on from Andy Dalton after this year. Oh, we will talk about that later in the program, and let's go on to our Bengals fantasy focus right now in Joe Mixon. His current ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is around the 15th overall pick of drafts. 
The talent, volume, and the potential are there to finish 2019 as a top three fantasy running back, which makes it totally understandable to take him at that point in your draft, or even earlier, especially now given the case of the holdouts of Zeke Elliott and Melvin Gordon. However, given the fact that the floor for the Bengals this season is very, very low, as you alluded to, they could find themselves in a lot of lopsided games in which the game script will not favor the running game. Thus, there's a good argument not to take Joe Mixon as current ADP. Where would you be comfortable taking Joe Mixon in fantasy drafts? Um, you know, I would be very hesitant to take Mixon because of the fact that, you know, you're, you're not counting on your offensive line. You're counting on the passing game to sort of open up opportunities in the running game. And he is talented, but they're just, it, it, there's a real question if there are going to be any meaningful holes on a consistent week. And they, particularly in the division, they're going to play a lot of talented defensive lines and that can be really problematic and ultimately stifle them and force them into a heavy pass look. So at that point, you're basically counting on Joe Mixon in the passing game. And I don't know how realistic that is. So I would be extraordinarily hesitant uh, to wait, probably take some other guys ahead of him, you know, just in the division alone, he may be uh, the third or fourth best Running back, he may have more talent than some of those two, but situationally, he's just not going to have a great spot. The only team in the division that's sort of worse at tailback would be Baltimore, and they still may be able to maybe able to manufacture a better running game, even if you know that doesn't do you much good for fantasy. But just in general, I think the Bengals are just in a world of hurt for that from that standpoint. Oh, very, very good points there, Pete. And let's talk about this Bengals defense before moving on to your Cleveland Browns. Uh, last season, the Bengals' defense was just god-awful. They ended the year as the NFL's lowest-ranked total defense, but apparently they believe bad luck on the injury front was to blame last season as they didn't make that many moves in free agency to address their defensive holes, especially in terms of the pass rush where the underrated Carl Lawson suffered a torn ACL. Um, with Lawson expected to be healthy and ready to go by week one or shortly thereafter, how much does his presence alone improve that Bengals' pass rush and the defense as a whole? It helps. I mean, there's no question it helps. I, I think the defensive line is obviously where they're they're counting on a lot. They need uh, they need both Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins to continue to to deliver for them. They've been very good, uh, almost too good in the sake that they are sort of dragging this team along. Uh, they've got the big old nose tackle uh, out of Baylor. That you know he's another guy who needs to stay healthy. Andrew they Billings. Yeah, he's uh, he's just a, an absolute monster physically. But again, he's had some issues with his legs and and staying healthy. They've got some interesting depth pieces from that standpoint. So their defensive line is very good. Their secondary is very good for the most part. So much of the Bengals defense is can they get more out of the linebacker position? And because of the you know the choices they've had to make, they don't. They have some new blood in there, but I don't know if it really addresses their main issue, which has been range and and uh, the ability to defend in the passing game. I think they've got some guys who can play the run. I think they're a little bit better athletically. It will be interesting to see if Malik Harrison can take a step forward, or Malik Jefferson, sorry. Malik Jefferson can take a step forward this year and, and step into a role, which I think he can be a really talented player for them, but they've got like him, Jermaine Pratt, they've got... Uh, Nick Vigil, they're interesting, but that's really the weak spot on the defense and can really hold them back. Thank you for that Sky Report on the Bengals defense, Pete. And moving on to the Cleveland Browns. And yes, Virginia, the Cleveland Browns have the look of a contender. 
I may be a Denver Broncos fan, but I couldn't be happier for all you Browns fans. You deserve a team like the team you have right now. And this is by far the best Browns roster, at least on paper, since the franchise got reinstated 20 years ago. Offensively, you have my man Baker Mayfield, who clearly looks like the face of the franchise for the next decade plus. You have an incredible one-two punch at running back with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And now, you bring in arguably the most talented wide receiver in football in Odell Beckham Jr. to go along with a solid receiving core with uh, Jarvis Landry, David Joku, and the underrated Rashard Higgins. Watch out for him, man. Uh, he could have a breakout year this year. And however, just like your downstate neighbors... Uh, the offensive line in its second season post Joe Thomas, it looks like a glaring weakness. The Browns also traded away their best offensive lineman last season in Kevin Zeitler to the Giants in order to land Beckham. If you were John Dorsey right now, would you be willing to part with your 2020 first round pick in order to acquire disgruntled Redskins Pro Bowl offensive tackle Trent Williams? Uh, I would not, and and I don't doubt the talent of Trent Williams. Trent Williams is is a potential future Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, all pro, all that. My concern is entirely based on, on his, you know, the health situation with him. And with that, you know, the, that 2020 first round pick you'd be giving for him for, you know, maybe two or three years at most is likely going to be going to an offensive tackle in this coming draft. Anyway, offensive line in general, it's not great by any stretch. JC Treader and Joel Petoni are very good. Uh, Greg Robinson, I think, is poised to have a better year than he did last year. Chris Hubbard is, you know, he's he's okay. The right guard is the big question mark. But, you know, despite all that, they, you know, the end of the second half of last season, Baker Mayfield was virtually untouched. Uh, they've got a very good running back tandem uh, that they don't need to be a dominating group. They just need to make sure they aren't a weakness in terms of getting the quarterback hit or getting the running game blasted. But right guard is still up in the air as far as where that's going to end up. Obviously, losing Kevin Zeitler is huge in that respect, but Olivier Vernon is a terrific pass rusher, and it's hard to argue that Olivier Vernon, assuming he's healthy for all six games, won't have a bigger impact than Kevin Zeitler would. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, it's a risk they took. It's certainly one that that bears watching, and and it will be very easy to sort of second-guess first guess, whatever. Uh, but I, I think they will be okay, but I don't think it's, you know, I, I think it is an issue where going into the off season is going to be uh, an area they have to address because they could theoretically lose, you know, whether you love Greg Robinson or Chris Hubbard, I don't love either one. They may both be gone after this year. Greg Robinson is scheduled to be a free agent. Uh, Chris Hubbard scheduled to make more money than he probably should. You can theoretically see both gone. So the offensive line after this year is going to be a major, major uh, focus for them to sort of rebuild. Thank you for that update. And the Browns definitely must be uh, sold on the potential of this uh, offensive tackle class coming into the league through the 2020 draft. And from what I hear, it's very, very promising, especially if all these underclassmen uh, declare. And now moving on to our Browns fantasy focus. And with Kareem Hunt suspended for the first eight games of the season, Nick Chubb is one of the most attractive options for fantasy owners as far as running backs go. Chubb's current ADP, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, is around the 11th overall pick. Would you grab him at that juncture, or would you pass and select somebody like Dalvin Cook or Kerryon Johnson instead, given the fact that Kareem Hunt will eventually return? No, I would take I would take Chubb. 
I, um, I, I'm certainly fascinated to see the dynamic if and when Hunt comes back from his suspension. Uh, but if you listen to Freddie Kitchens talk about the situation, he seems to be, you know, fully in love with Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is just a, a phenomenal talent. Uh, you know, it, at least just from a pure physical standpoint, he is bigger, stronger, faster than Kareem Hunt. Uh, and, you know, obviously Kareem Hunt was phenomenal uh, in his his years with the, with the Chiefs. Uh, but Chubb has been great. And, and it's, it's basically a crime against football that he it took as long as he did to become a starter. Obviously, uh, Nick Chubb was a, a major reason the Browns were able to beat the uh, your Denver Broncos last of year. Uh, and, and so, you know, those first eight games, he could have a heavy, heavy dose of playing time and get a ton of touches. But I don't think it's going to be a situation where Kareem Hunt comes back and all of a sudden Kareem Hunt's going to be the guy. It, it may be more of a one-two punch. You know, there could be some games where Kareem Hunt gets more touches. But I still think Nick Chubb is ultimately a, a very good player. And particularly down by the goal line, he's a far more reasonable play because he is so big and strong. Uh, at You know, basically 225 pounds, extremely quick, great vision, understands how to get in the end zone. Uh, obviously had a big year as a rookie in that regard. So I would not be scared off remotely by Kareem Hunt's presence in terms of fantasy or just in general. Oh, thank you very much for the lowdown there, Pete. And looking at this Browns team, I am just as excited about this Browns defense as I am about the offense. You have potentially two shutdown corners in Denzel Ward and rookie Greedy Williams, a deep and talented crop of linebackers consisting of Joe Schobert, Christian Kirksey, plus rookies Mac Wilson and Sione Takitaki, and arguably one of the best front fours in the game, with Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon, who you just mentioned, coming off the edge, with Sheldon Richardson and the extremely underrated Larry Ogajobi inside. Will it be a massive disappointment if this isn't a top 10 total defense by season's end? No, uh, and there's a couple reasons for that. First, it's really hard to be a top 10 defense if you're also theoretically in position to have a top 10 offense. Just by nature of the beast, if you are scoring a ton of points the op, uh, you know, or you put up big leads, uh, you're going to find yourself in garbage time giving up garbage yards to the team, which is ultimately going to impact your uh, defensive rankings, if you get the total yards, points, whatever. That just tends to be how it goes. But other than that, um, the secondary is a question mark. Uh, Denzel Ward and Demarius Randall are rock solid. Other than that, uh, Greedy Williams is, is, is experiencing some, some natural growing pains. It's not clear that he's going to – in fact, it, it's unlikely, I think, at this point that he's going to be a starter. He will play a role. He will have an impact in all of those things. But I think it's going to take him a while to find his way into the regular lineup. They don't, you know, they have capable corners. It's not, you know, a situation where you're coming in and expecting him to start. It's a question of he's got to come in and take a job from a capable corner in in somebody like Terrence Mitchell and TJ Carey, who's going to play a big role. The other safety not named Demarius Randall is not, good at all uh, obviously they moved on from Jabril Peppers last year in order to get Odell Beckham Jabril Peppers was great last year and again another player who had came up big in defeating the Denver Broncos he had the play that sealed the deal uh and and that was another risk where you trade a player uh you take a very strong 
uh, positioned a strong player at that position and peppers away. And you're sort of, you're, you're obviously, you're going to a very much a committee approach. They've got guys like Morgan Burnett, Jermaine Whitehead, Eric Murray to sort of fulfill these roles. None of them is a great NFL player. You're basically hoping that they are functional within your defense. They're probably going to be no better than the 10th or 11th best guy. You're hoping they don't get exposed. You're hoping to minimize the opportunities for that, but they are young. Uh, Denzel Ward's obviously very good, but he's entering his second year. So it's really one veteran in that real veteran in that whole group and Demarius Randall. Linebacker, uh, Joe Schobert is a stud. I think he's in, in po- poised for a monster year. Uh, I'm, you know, Joe, Chris Kirksey will see if he can bounce back and have a great year. Uh, as far as the defensive line, they've got a great rotation at the defensive end spot. They've got uh, very good defensive tackles uh, from this front line. Uh, you know, I, w- I was pleased with what I saw from some of the depth of that position in the first preseason game. I'm hoping that continues to to develop and get better uh, to make, you know, to, to give a real sense of confidence in that, but they can be very good and still not be a top 10 defense just because, uh, you know, they do have some question marks, but the offense, if it, if it is as good as it could be, will put the defense in positions where it's going to give up points, even if the best of circumstances occur. Oh, that's a very, very good point, Pete. Uh, with the Browns uh, having the firepower and offense to uh, jump ahead in many games, uh, the defense might uh, yield a lot of points at garbage time, thus uh, inflating a lot of the totals. And uh, the guy, however, who I have the most excited for this season is Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, uh, his rookie season was uh, minimized due to injury, and last year he had 13 sacks. But this season, I think he could take the biggest step forward he's ever taken in his career because he even himself said that Greg Williams only allowed him to use a couple moves in his pass rush arsenal. And now Greg Williams is out the door and he got Steve Wilkson, who's going to give him a lot more freedom to get to the quarterback in many different ways possible. Is this the season? Miles Garrett shows us that he is on the level of Khalil Mack and Von Miller. I I think it is. I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, His physical ability is, you know, off the charts, he's, he's a genuine, you know, uh, God of sorts in terms of just what he's able to do. Uh, you know, I'm slightly sympathetic for Greg Williams in terms of the whole two moves thing in terms of him being a second year player and sort of trying to make him master something before, you know, letting him do everything. And, and maybe that benefited him. I'm curious to see how that sort of plays itself out this year. But the biggest thing, that I think will help uh, Miles Garrett is I think he's going to move around a lot. And with Greg Williams, in his first year, he played a lot of that three tech for his first tech ever was at that, that the three tech where he's basically untouched. And then as a second, his second year, he basically was always at that right end spot, save for very few situations where he moved over to the left side this year, he's going to be right end, left end. And I think he's going to see a lot of t- opportunity inside, especially if, Jannard Avery and Vernon, uh, Olivier Vernon are coming off the edges, and you've got all three of those guys attacking a field, and then either a uh, Sheldon Richardson or a Larry Joby giving you a very, very uh, talented and, and menacing front four. But Garrett trimmed down a little bit. He's more explosive. He's quicker off the, uh, off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think he's gotten better in terms of being able to stay out of blocks. I think one of the things he ran into last year – was and, and don't get me wrong, there were situations where guys were basically headlocking him. 
and, and hold. But the best way to not get held is to never allow yourself to get blocked. And, and so much of that is the hand fighting aspect of the NFL and just staying out of those blocks in the, in the first first place. So if he can do that, stay out of those blocks, stay out of those grabs, not basically leave it to the referees to sort of officiate because eventually they're going to stop just throwing penalties, penalty flags on guys. Uh, but just stay out of that and be able to keep continue to put heat on the quarterback and just dominate in general. That's going to be really un, uh, where he unlocks things. I firmly believe, I don't know if it'll be this year. I firmly believe he's got a 20 plus sack season in him. I think he's got the ability to sort of challenge for, you know, be in that club of the 20 sack guys, potentially be a guy who threatens the NFL single season sack record. I think not only because he's so talented, but they've done things to upgrade. The secondary will help. They've done things to give him more help the other side uh, with Olivier Vernon and, and Sheldon Richardson coming in and, and just providing more talent. It becomes very difficult to over prepare or come up with a plan when you've got so much talent and then he's moving around that, you know, you basically find the weakest link in an opposing offensive line, put miles Garrett over him and let him just go to go to work on a guy. So, he, you know, I, I think he will absolutely prove himself to be one of the elite uh, top of the line pass rushers in the league. It's just a question of when he's going to sort of put together his, you know, masterpiece season or seasons. Uh, and, and that remains to be seen. But he had 13, 13 and a half sacks last year. The franchise record is a sad uh, 14. So he should easily crush that this year. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're just the sky's the limit for what he can do. Oh, it most certainly is. And you mentioned Olivier Vernon again, and I want to talk about him for a minute. Uh, the Browns uh, did bring Olivier Vernon in, but they traded away Emmanuel Ogba, who wasn't uh, a bad component of that defensive line for the past several years. How much of an upgrade do you think is Olivier Vernon over Emmanuel Ogba? Well, uh, right, it's substantial. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba was a very, very good base and run defender. Uh, he was another guy who, who would get stuck on blocks, have a really difficult time shedding. He was a guy who collapsed the pocket really well, but guys would get forced out or, or flushed to his side. He couldn't disengage to be a pass rusher. I thought the first half of 2017, he was arguably the most valuable player on that uh, defense. Uh, when Miles Garrett was out, and then obviously he broke his foot, and that's where things started taking a bad turn for him. Uh, he was great. I think Kansas City uh, gives him a great opportunity to hopefully uh, get back to where he could be. Uh, a couple years removed uh, from from the the broken foot, and obviously the first game of the season last year, he immediately gets a freaking high ankle sprain and is just you know battling basically 75 to 80% no better than the, the entire rest of the season, which obviously didn't help. Olivier Vernon is just a better football player. Uh, he's, he's a, such a good technician. He's very good at sort of playing in the mind of the offensive tackle where he can sort of make them feel like the quarterback is going a different way uh, because they can't see where he is. He, he can sort of sell like, He's going to go, uh, the quarterback is an area he isn't and sort of take advantage. He's very good at sort of keeping himself out of the, out of the grasp of the opponent. So when the quarterback does try to move, he can close in. He, he, he's one of the better players I've seen in the league in terms of punishing quarterbacks who try to leave the pocket and that type of stuff. He's a fantastic fit across from 
uh, Miles Garrett. The big question with with uh, Vernon is is he going to give you a full twelve game or a full sixteen games? Because the last couple of years, you know, for the most part, for the early part of his career, he's 16, 16, 16. Then the last year or two, he's missed some time. Some of that may have been simply the Giants were garbage, and they basically said, "There's no sense putting you back in there. Let's go ahead and shut it down." But uh, he just provides another very credible element to this pass rush that they, now they have two uh, genuine studs. And obviously he's going from a situation where he was going against Tyron Smith, uh, the left tackle uh, Peters from the Philadelphia Eagles, and then uh, Trent Williams, uh, the left tackle for the Washington Redskins, who are three guys that are just – top of the line tackles at the position for the past several years. And he gives them fits. Now he's going to a situation where he's going to be put in a lot of situations where he's playing tackles who are just simply not of that caliber. Uh, and, and I think he's going to benefit from them. In addition to the fact he's not the focal point, miles Garrett obviously is, and he's going to be able to take advantage of the fact that, that miles Garrett is the mainstay show that guys have opponents have to stop and he can take advantage of some lesser attention and, and really dominate from that spot. Thank you very much for that in-depth scouting report, Pete. And from the new Browns to the old Browns, we now turn our attention to the defending AFC North Division champion Baltimore Ravens, and they have Lamar Jackson entering his first full season as their starting quarterback. And although we should still expect Baltimore to be a run-heavy offense, Lamar Jackson must take the next step as a passer. Do you think he's capable of taking that next step? Capable, yes. Will we get it? I don't know the answer to that. Um, I think Baltimore has maybe the most upside of any team in the in the division simply because uh, Lamar Jackson is such a gifted athlete and, and his upside is tremendous. But I don't know if he's going to be able to be consistent enough or accurate enough at least this coming year uh, if they if he can deliver that, they become an incredibly dangerous team because he is such a run pass threat that can do so much. Uh, and they've added some weapons that can that can do more than receivers they have had in the past. I mean, I, you know, the last couple of years, the Ravens receivers might you know have not mattered at all. They've been just substandard. They get Marquise Brown. Obviously, his foot is still an issue, but just a guy who can take the top off of a defense. I think Miles Boykin out of Notre Dame is very talented. I think it's going to take him a little time to get there, but he, he has remarkable physical talent. He's also uh, very strong, can do some of the things that, that benefit him. But so much of this is about, I, I think, John Harbaugh being open-minded in terms of the way he thinks about offense and not being afraid to sort of embrace what Lamar Jackson is and does and fully exploring that. And, and I'm curious to see how that all goes, if there's some option stuff, if there's some wing T stuff, if there's some different ways to sort of create opportunities where the defense is so concerned about the different things they can do in terms of meshes and fakes and everything in the backfield that it doesn't open up some opportunities for him to chuck some wide open touchdowns down the field because they can just do so much in terms of spreading teams out and, and causing havoc from that standpoint. Uh, the, the same time, the Baltimore Ravens could be as good as they could be. They could also be in for a massive regression as if Lamar Jackson doesn't take that that next step 
and become a more consistent passer. The NFL tends to figure out these type of offenses pretty quickly. Uh, and, it, you know, with a full year, year to sort of plan for and study, I, I think they will have a much better plan for dealing with with uh, Lamar Jackson in, in year two. So that is worth keeping an eye on. And, and obviously the challenge for Har- Harbaugh, Harbaugh and that staff is to sort of adapt to the adaptations, which is come up with ways to sort of uh, – deal with the fact that teams are going to be able to sort of uh, catch on to some of the things they were doing and have a better plan for it and then deal with that ahead of time for basically having the next transition to that where even if Lamar Jackson isn't a consistent passer, that they can still find a way to be an effective offense. You mentioned a lot of their draft picks uh, from 2019, and if there was a theme for this year's draft for the Ravens, it was speed, 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 especially on the offensive side. You mentioned Hollywood Brown and Miles Boykin. Uh, Hollywood Brown, one of the best uh, speedy deep threats uh, to come out of college in recent years, a very Deshaun Jackson-like, and Miles Boykin, a size-speed demon who is already uh, making a hard case for a starting job um, already in training camp, and running back Justice Hill, a very solid uh, change-of-pace third-down option. Uh, does this offense have the potential look of some sort of an exotic smash-mouth attack with a lot of misdirection, reverses jet sweeps at all, uh, to diversify the run game that uh, confuses defenses to uh, uh, bite all the time, thus uh, freeing up uh, the deep ball, as you alluded to? Yeah, it, it could. And, and I was I thought it was fascinating when they brought in Paul Johnson to watch practices, the former uh, Georgia Tech and uh, you know military academy head coach who ran a true triple option with the line splits and the whole deal. And, you know, a lot of people like sort of scoffed at this idea that, well, they could do some of these things. And I don't know how much they did or didn't, you know, sort of explore that. But I I do think, you know, if you're, if you're in the game and all of a sudden in the second half, you pull out some of these things that they could work for a series and create some instant offense, which with the Ravens and the defense they have, they don't need to score 40 points to win they just need to be able to keep teams off balance, get a few points and let their defense do the job. And, and you know, there, there's some question marks with the defense, particularly a linebacker, but they've also upgraded their secondary. They've got more options in terms of the defensive line that this now gets them different ways to sort of think about offense and, and present things for opponents to have to prepare for, have to think about, have to at least consider in terms of their practice preparation that could cause some problems for some teams. And and I think particularly if you're going against odd front teams, I think you can potentially do some things like uh, split out your offensive tackles and guards and, and see if that forces their five techs to sort of slide out with them and create some open lanes uh, in on the inside. And if they don't, you potentially have some easy reach blocks to get outside. So it at least gives teams something to think about. I think, the fact that John Harbaugh is a special teams coach and is willing to be such an open-minded coach uh, makes them dangerous in terms of the way they are willing to sort of think about how they approach the game. And and they're going to find things that work. They're not going to find things that uh, are necessarily, you know, orthodox or pretty based on what other people think. They just want to find ways to win. 
Yes, that Ravens offense uh, is one of the biggest mysteries of this offseason. It's going to be very intriguing to watch uh, when the game starts to count. And let's move on to our Ravens fantasy focus. Mark Ingram figures to be a focal point of this offense. His current ADP is around the 41st overall pick, according to Fantasy Football Calculator. Would you be content taking Mark Ingram as your second or third running back at that spot? Or would you rather wait a couple rounds to take, say, James White at around 68 overall or Latavius Murray at 73 overall? Uh, I don't know if I, I think you're okay with Mark Ingram. So much is going to depend on if they're going to allow him to be sort of that short yardage and goal line guy, particularly, or if they're going to give it to the, the other big fullback style guy they have. Mark Ingram sort of has a nose for the end zone. He's a, he's a veteran in that respect. And I think if he's, if they're willing to trust him to consistently get, you know, touches in, in, in the red zone and score touchdowns, that could be, could be good for you. The the concern is obviously that if the Ravens do go all in on sort of this, you know, meshing and doing all these different things to give different guys the football and keep defenses honest, it may be a lot of, you know, Lamar Jackson touchdowns. It may be a lot of other back scoring touchdowns. It may be some different receivers scoring touchdowns in that scenario. So there are a lot of options that they, they can sort of utilize that might spread the wealth in terms of touchdowns, more than more than uh, more than a fantasy owners might want, but at the same time, you know, other than maybe you know Marquise Brown getting some taking the top off the defense type plays, some some big plays over the season, there isn't seemingly much of a threat in the passing game. So it, it, at that point, you're at least having a pretty good bet that's going to be one of those guys on the ground. So it's a question of which one. And now moving on to this Ravens defense, who last season led the NFL in total defense. Uh, we'll talk about the upgrades in the secondary in a minute, but uh, this offseason they lost some key stalwarts in free agency, such as Terrell Suggs, albeit uh, he's, he's very old right now. He's on the last legs of his uh, Hall of Fame career. But these two losses are, pro- are going to hurt. Zadarius Smith, who signed the big uh, free agent money deal with the Packers, and C.J. Mosley, who was the signal caller for that defense for the past several years, uh, taking a bigger payday with the New York Jets. How much of a step back do you see this defense taking in 2019 without those uh, three key stalwarts? I think the one that's going to hurt him the most is obviously Mosley. I-, I think Zadarius Smith hurts a little bit, though. You know, the Ravens are such a defensive line by committee maybe more than any team in the league in terms of being very even handed in terms of how they split up the reps. They took, they drafted Jalen Ferguson, who I think is a good fit for what they want to do. They drafted Dalen Mack, who I think is a good fit. I think he could be a really good player for them in general. Uh, Linebackers, the place, you know, they really didn't get to add a ton and, and they, they're not terrible. I think Juan sir is okay. They've got some guys that can do some things, but if, if you're looking at, you know, the 2018 version of the Ravens versus the 2019 version of the Ravens, the one area where they took a noticeable step back is linebacker. And you're basically hoping that the secondary additions, namely Earl Thomas are going to make up for that. Uh, And, and that is going to be the area that, that picks up the slack and potentially you could see a Ravens team that puts more DBs on the field in lieu of linebackers and, and may do some more, uh, dime looks rather than going to more linebackers. And I, I, my guess is you're going to see fewer three linebacker sets. But I, I don't think losing ter- uh, Terrell Suggs is a huge loss for them. 
Uh, they've got some guys who can do the job on that. And uh, obviously uh, Matt Judon is very good, but they keep drafting they keep adding and they tend to always have somebody who's willing to step in. It may not be one person putting up gaudy numbers, but I think by their whole unit as a group, they are able to get what they need out of them. And speaking of Earl Thomas, uh, this could go down as one of the best uh, moves of the offseason if the Ravens uh, end up repeating as division champions uh, because they uh, released Eric Weddle, who gave them some very good seasons, and Eric Weddle's now with the Rams, and they were able to sign Earl Thomas, who I think is an upgrade over Eric Weddle. How much Earl is Earl Thomas such an upgrade? Well, I mean, he's uh, they're very different style players but certainly objectively at you know at his best Earl Thomas is the best uh, of anyone uh that's no slight to Eric Weddle he's a very good player he's just you know that is how good Earl Thomas is I think what Earl Thomas will hopefully do for the Ravens is help them sort of get more out of Tony Jefferson which I you know I really like the the signing for them I really like him as a player but he hasn't delivered on the contract, you know, delivered up to the contract he's been paid. I think they'd really like to get more out of that. I think Earl Thomas can help them get more out of that because I think Earl Thomas is going to be more of that deep middle guy. I think it allows Tony Jefferson to be more of a in-the-box player and do some some mixing and matching and that stuff. And I think Eric Weddle was more of a – more of the same in terms of stylistically what Tony Jefferson did. So that that could help them on two fronts. But obviously, you know, when, when you've got talented corners uh, in Jimmy Smith, you've got Marlon Humphrey, uh, and, and, and Earl Thomas gives you three guys who can go get the ball for you at any given point. And it's just a different uh, style that is probably more conducive to what the rest of the division is doing uh, in terms of downfield passing. Baker Mayfield is obviously very good. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is not dead yet. Andy Dalton, you know, especially the way this is going, is going to have to be throwing the ball more. So getting Earl Thomas is a much better fit from that standpoint. And obviously, if it, if the Ravens are able to get back into the playoffs, I think Earl Thomas does more for you against the likes of Tom Brady and some of these other great quarterbacks, Pat Mahomes, those types, than Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle is a very good player. I think he will be a nice contributor for the Rams now. But Earl Thomas is just, and again, this all a lot depends on how well he's recovered from the injury he had. But at his best, he's he, there's no one better. I completely agree. And last but not least, we conclude our tour of the FC North in the Steel City with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it's the new look Pittsburgh Steelers because not only did they uh, part ways with Le'Veon Bell after two seasons on the franchise tag and one completely uh, lost season due to a holdout. They also traded away Antonio Brown as, be, as they became fed up with his uh, antics. Uh, how possible is it that the Steelers' offense experiences minimal decline without Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown? I actually think it's quite possible. Uh, it's tough. Here's the biggest loss the Steelers had this offseason. It's Mike Munchak. Uh, Mike Munchak oh. is one of the best in the league in terms of offensive line coaches and you know, you, obviously filling the role of the assistant head coach. I think... Uh, of anything Denver did in this offseason, managing to lure him away was a massive get for the Broncos. Uh, I think that's going to hurt them more than anything that they lost from Antonio Brown. I think Juju Schuster is very, very good. Certainly, you, you, Antonio Brown is a very good player. Uh, you know, you get 1,300 yards and, and, and about, you know, 
double-digit touchdowns, uh, and Juju Smith-Schuster was more efficient than he was, that's still really hard to replace. I think uh, they like what they're getting from some of these other receivers, but it's a far more of a by-committee approach to the receiving game. Now, the other thing that has to happen for them to experience uh, very little drop-off is they need another very healthy season out of Vance McDonald. Vance McDonald this past year was great. Uh, he's outstanding for them last year, but that's been the issue for him is is he he doesn't not only does he get hurt, he tends to be out for extended periods of time when he does get hurt. And I think that you know Vance McDonald is a re- big reason they were willing to let Jesse James go to the free uh, in the free market to sign with the Detroit Lions is Vance McDonald was better. Uh, but that is a that is a a challenge for them. I think I I, I think they will take some uh, drop off, but it's a question of how much. They will certainly benefit from having less drama in their locker room. Although you know how much of that is actually coming from the quarterback is is a, is a uh, a viable question to ask. Uh, I, I think they're going to drop off enough that you notice it, but not enough where they're toothless by any stretch. I think they'll still be an effective offense. I think they'll still be a very difficult team to stop this coming year, but you know, it's, it's difficult to go from, you know, offense where you have two great, great receivers and a healthy Vance McDonald and a running game uh, operating on all the cylinders and having such a great offensive line coach and Mike Munchak getting so much out of that group. That's a lot of pressure for them to sort of be able to uh, fight and claw and all those things to maintain that level. And I, and I think it's going to be too much for them, but they're still going to be very good. And that takes us to our Steelers fantasy focus. And it turns to James Conner, whose current ADP is 8.4, according to fantasy football calculator. However, there's been a lot of talk that Conner won't necessarily be a bell cow this season as the Steelers plan to involve healthy doses of Jalen Samuels and rookie Benny Snell. Is James Conner worth it at his current ADP? Yeah, uh, I, 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 lo- I like the idea that the Steelers are talking about using these other guys. I really like Benny Snell as a running back in Kentucky. Uh, but when push comes to shove, I expect it's going to be a ton of James Conner. Uh, it just, you know, he's the best they've got. And, and ultimately, I think, especially if they, because the division is so competitive outside of the Bengals, who I think will finish dead last, uh, I think everybody else is going to be in it for the for basically the entire way, and that you know when when they need to win, they're going to go to the guy that's going to get them there. And I think James Conner is going to be the guy they 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 rely upon uh, every time they 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 get into a tough spot. Thank you for that synopsis, there, Pete. And now let's talk about this Pittsburgh Steelers defense, who I expect to take a big leap forward uh, this season. Look at the talent they have up front. T.J. Watt is becoming a top 10 pass rusher in this league, and they've got some of the best linemen in the league, and Cameron Hayward, Javon Hargrave, and Stephon Tewitt as well, and you uh, trade up in the draft to take Devin Bush, and his otherworldly preseason performance last week uh, has me thinking that this guy is exactly who they need to fill the shoes of Ryan Chazier, because ever since uh, Ryan Chazier... Uh, got uh, tragically hurt, and he might never play football again as a result. The Steelers' defense, especially up front, uh, hasn't looked the same. 
But when you go to the secondary, that's where I see some problems. Like there's honestly nobody in that secondary that really scares opposing offenses. How suspect do you think is the Steelers secondary? And how uh, much will this defense risk getting exposed if the uh, front seven uh, has an off day? Well, look, I mean, the, the, the Steelers go as their defensive line goes. Uh, Stefan Tuitt, Cameron Hayward uh, are outstanding football players. Javon Hargrave is very good in his own right. That is, you know, they go as that group goes. Uh, a couple of years ago when they lost Cam Hayward for an extended period of time, they missed him a ton. He's just that good. He is a guy that uh, is a game plan wrecker. Uh, I, I think uh, getting uh, getting the linebacker they did, top 10 trading with your Broncos, uh, to go up and get him was great for them. I think he does answer a lot of the questions. I think the combination – of linebackers they have next to him is very effective. They've got guys who can play in the run. They've got guys who can help with the pass. They they were very smart in how they approached that. Uh, secondary, obviously, yes, is a big question. Uh, corner in particular, I loved uh, the the corner they were able to get out of Michigan State. I think uh, to me, he was the best corner in the entire class. Oh, Justin Lane, yeah. So you know, and and he's. It's an adjustment period. He's young, but he's so long. He's so talented uh, that I think he's ultimately going to find a role pretty quickly. Uh, Joe Hayden is fine. I think he's overhyped, but the fact that he does play in Pittsburgh and when that happens, you tend to, to get more credit than you're probably deserving. Safeties are, you know, a, a little bit of a question mark. I, I think they've got to come through for them, but uh, the Steelers are a little bit better in the secondary, but they're also thin. I don't think they can afford to lose anything in that group, but that is their, you know, if there's a weakness, that's definitely it. Uh, but their front seven is closer to when they've been a special, special team. They've lived with bad secondaries and, and gotten away with it before, but the front seven is where they've always had uh, great players at both levels. And right now they appear to be poised to have that back. Uh, and it will be a question of if other teams can sort of put them in a position where that secondary is the difference between winning and losing because other teams are going to bet on themselves to win that battle. He is Pete Smith, ladies and gentlemen, the editor for Browns Maven. You can follow him on Twitter at Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore. That's his Twitter ID, folks. And Pete, thank you so much once again for joining us on the program. But before we let you go, we'd like to play our favorite game, and it's called Truth or Exaggeration. And in this game, I will make a statement about each one of the four AFC North teams, and you tell me whether I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. Starting with the Browns. Baker Mayfield will throw 35 to 40 touchdown passes this season. True. He almost did. I mean, he had 27 last year and he played 13 and a half games. Uh, you get Odell Beckham, you get all, you know, the, the, the offense is loaded. Uh, I would be shocked if he's not flirting with that number. Oh, Xavier, especially with uh, Todd Mockin as the new offensive coordinator. Uh, he's essentially in a, another new system for the second straight year. Uh, defenses are going to still be trying to figure him out. And uh, plus, Todd Monken loves to sling the rock as he did with Ryan Fitzpatrick those first uh, several weeks of uh, last season. And moving on to the Bengals. This will be the final season for Andy Dalton in Cincinnati as the Bengals end up with a top three pick in the 2020 NFL draft and using on a quarterback. True. I, I think it's regardless of their record. I just, it doesn't make any sense for them to continue. I, you know, in fact, 
I, you know, I wrote about this. I think they have to basically let that old guard go. Uh, AJ Green's going to be a free agent. They have to end that. I think if they can get something for Carlos Dunlap, they should eat the money and trade him. I think they should get out of the Geno Atkins contract, which has an option after this coming year. I think they have to move on, uh, get that cap space back, uh, try to get as many assets as possible out of it and build around this younger core, which does have talent, but it's just missing a lot of pieces. And obviously the quarterback position will be the main focus. I mean, that's why you hired the coach you hired. You, you brought in a, a quarterback's coach. You're trying to get that, Rams set up Andy Dalton ain't it. So yes, hundred percent to the Ravens. Mark Andrews will be the Ravens leader in receiving yardage and receiving touchdowns. Oof. I'll say that's an exaggeration and that's not because I don't think it's possible. I do think he's their best receiver. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get both of those things. Uh, and that's because I expect the receiving touchdowns to be weird, uh, potentially with, uh, with Marquise Brown, if he's able to get in there and be effective, taking some weird amount of touchdowns because they might get they may pop some big plays. So I, I think Mark Andrews will be the understood as their best receiver. I just don't know if he's statistically going to get there in both categories. And last but not least, the Steelers. Devin Bush will record 110 plus tackles, three interceptions, four forced fumbles, and 15 or more tackles for loss on his way to 2019 Defensive Rookie of the Year. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I'll say it's an exaggeration on the numbers, but I, I, I could absolutely see him winning defensive rookie of the year. Uh, he's in a great setup and it's all there for him in terms of they're building this defense for him to succeed. So you may get the numbers right on that, but I, I do think he's primed to be a, just an absolute monster for them. And obviously uh, you know, Nick Bosa suffering an injury does not help his situation. And obviously, uh, Devin Bush has come out firing on all cylinders so far. So he looks great. So I think that that part of it is, is, is very reachable. Thank you very much, Pete. And that's it for today here on Sports Crush. We'll be back with more 2019 NFL Division by Division previews very soon. So stay tuned. In the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that's crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Pete. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Pete Smith, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome.